All right, here we go. Hi, a little disorganized this decade. There is no immigration problem in America. Well, there is an immigration problem. We don't have enough. And Mike Johnson, our odious speaker, is using immigration, the migrant crisis, the so-called migrant crisis, as a distraction, as a way to shut down government because he can't do anything. He can't get anything accomplished. And they're using, as usual, immigrants and migrants as scapegoats for their own inaction, their own inferiority. Mike Johnson, there is, uh, he's a bad guy. And it's all a distraction. That's all the immigration crisis has always been. All the, late, all the latest studies coming out show we're suffering here in America from a population implosion. And unless we get more people into this country, there won't be enough workers to fund our social safety net and keep our economy growing. And you know who said half of that is Mike Johnson. He said it about abortion. He said Roe v. Wade is killing all those able-bodied workers who we need to prop up our economy. All he needs to do is look to the border. There are plenty of able-bodied people willing to come to this country. But when you're a racist, you talk about abortion instead of helping the, the children of the migrants who are trying to get into this country. We need millions of people coming to America. I don't know. I'm not for open borders. I don't even know what that means. All I know is we need millions of people coming into this country. Otherwise, we're going to end up like Japan, which has pretty much been in a recession for at least 20 years because it's got an aging population with nobody coming up through the ranks, the generational ranks, to support them. That's what's happening in America. Immigration, the migrants, it's just noise and confusion to distract you away from Mike Johnson's utter incompetence. There was so much noise and confusion today. The FBI director testified before the Senate, and they were shouting at him about Hunter Biden's laptop. Just noise, just noise. The odious senator from Missouri, Josh Hawley, accused the FBI director of targeting Catholics. Just noise. Just noise. Tommy Tuberville finally caved in on holding up all those military nominations because he doesn't approve of the Pentagon's abortion policies. All of this was noise. And I thought, well, where do I start today? And I figured, calm the waters, at least calm my waters. And I'm not sure that came out right. But uh, what's important there's so much going on. Who's trying to distract? Who's trying to create noise by making it impossible for us to focus on what's really important? So let me see if I can focus on what what really counts today. This is the mop up for December 5th, 2023. 
Thank you for finding me. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. And uh, this show is an audio podcast, by the way. So take me with you on your next walk, your next drive by subscribing to this show as an audio podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a comment to let me know what you think is important and subscribe to my newsletter and, of course, this channel. Okay. According to a new study from the Abortion Care Network, 14 states have zero brick-and-mortar abortion providers ever since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June of 2022. One of those states is Texas. Imagine a state the size of Texas without a single brick-and-mortar abortion clinic. Across the country, 23 independently-owned brick-and-mortar abortion clinics closed this year, 42 closed last year. Now, brick-and-mortar abortion clinics are friendlier, they serve the community, and are more inviting, less antiseptic spaces for women to have the procedure. We're losing the mom-and-pop abortion clinics, I don't think. I don't think you call the mom-and-pop abortion clinics. I haven't been sleeping lately. 2023 is... Wow. That might have been the worst thing I've ever said. Mom-and-pop abortion clinics. I apologize. Oh, here's another funny one. 2023 is now the deadliest ever for gun violence. In the United States, there are several definitions for what constitutes a mass shooting and a mass killing. There's a difference between a mass shooting and a mass killing. I'm going to talk about mass killings right now, and I'm going to use the Washington Post's definition of a mass killing. That would be four people or more shot to death, not including the shooter. Since 2006, America averaged 26 mass killings a year. But so far for 2023, there have been 38 mass killings with guns. Congratulations, America. It's another banner year. The senior executive producer of Tucker Carlson's Fox News show is now being sued by a former Fox News employee for sexual assault. Andrew Delancey claims Justin Wells, a longtime Fox News employee who at the time was working for Greta Van Susteren's program, claims he claims that his genitalia was grabbed repeatedly And when Delancey complained about it afterwards, Fox News executives told him to remain silent. I don't think they said suck it up. According to the lawsuit, Wells, this would be Tucker Carlson's executive producer, at the time he was working for Greta Van Susteren, at the time, according to the lawsuit, Wells pretended to be interested in helping Delancey with his career invited him up to his apartment and then forced himself on Delancey. Delancey filed this lawsuit under New York State's Adult Survivors Act, which lifted the statute of limitations for exactly one year, allowing victims of sexual assault 
exactly one year to file a civil lawsuit. That one-year window closed the day after Thanksgiving. Yesterday, I told you about the chairman of the Florida Republican Party, Christian Ziegler, and his wife, the founder of Moms for Liberty, Bridget Ziegler. Christian Ziegler is being investigated by Florida police after a woman claimed he raped her. The Zieglers reportedly admitted to police that they had at least one threesome with the accuser who says Christian Ziegler, he would be chairman of the Florida Republican Party. She says he came to her apartment and raped her after she turned down his request to have sex without his wife. Moms for Liberty is one of the leading parental rights organizations trying to prevent schools from teaching critical race theory and human sexuality. After the reports that one of the founders of Moms for Liberty was engaging in threesomes, the Northumberland County, Pennsylvania chapter of Moms for Liberty announced on Tuesday that it was breaking away from the national organization to form its own racist and homophobic group not associated with Moms for Liberty. Florida Senator Rick Scott, who ripped off Medicare to close, I think it was like about a billion, billion five that he ripped off Medicare. He had to quit uh, working in the healthcare industry because he received the largest fine ever from the Justice Department. So he had to quit doing healthcare and had no choice but to turn to politics and become governor of Florida. Now he's the Republican senator from Florida and he's running for re-election next year. And he has called on Christian Ziegler to step down as chairman of Florida's Republican Party. Thing, interesting thing here is that Ziegler hasn't even been officially accused yet. Uh, and Rick Scott was found guilty, Florida Senator Rick Scott was found guilty of stealing at least a billion dollars for Medicare. Didn't go to prison, became governor of Florida. Speaking of the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis yesterday said he didn't see how it was possible for Christian Ziegler to continue in his role as chairman of the Republican Party in Florida, uh, until he's been cleared. Other top officials in the Republican Party, including Florida House Speaker Paul Renner and Florida Senate President Kathleen Pasidoma, have all called for his resignation. Christian Ziegler insists he's innocent and said he won't resign. Liz Cheney, the former Wyoming congresswoman who lost her leadership position in the House Republican caucus after she voted to impeach Donald Trump for the role he played on January 6th. And then she lost the GOP nomination last year after Republicans primaried her in retaliation for sitting on the January 6th committee. She said she is now considering a third party run for president in 2024. Cheney said she wouldn't vote for Trump and is hoping Republicans don't hold on to the House next year. She's accused them of pledging an oath to protect Donald Trump instead of our Constitution. Cheney's new book, Oath and Honor, is released next week. 
In it, she claims House Speaker Mike Johnson lied to Republican members of the House when he served as Donald Trump's congressional point man in trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Cheney says immediately after the 2020 election, Mike Johnson convinced nearly 150 House Republicans to sign an amicus brief in support of a lawsuit filed by the Texas Attorney General challenging Pennsylvania awarding its electoral votes to Joe Biden. This was thrown out of the Supreme Court. They didn't even read the lawsuit. They just threw it out before January 6th. But Johnson, according to Cheney, assured members of the House Republican Caucus that his amicus brief was fact-based and wouldn't include phony claims of voter fraud. But Liz Cheney called his amicus brief bait and switch because the amicus brief was filled with false claims of voter fraud that had been rejected by 60 judges in 60 separate lawsuits filed by Rudy Giuliani in the lead up to January 6th. Cheney in the book also accuses Mike Johnson of falsely claiming to have written the amicus brief and falsely referring to himself as a constitutional scholar, which she says he is anything but. Now, since Cheney's revelations about Mike Johnson have surfaced, there is talk that Johnson's law license, his license to practice law in Louisiana, should be suspended, considering lawyers like John Eastman and Rudy Giuliani have had their licenses challenged for making the same exact claims, the same exact claims that Mike Johnson made in his amicus brief that he didn't really write. During a Tuesday press conference, Mike Johnson talked about the thousands of hours of security tapes from January 6 that he is now making public. Johnson told reporters that he made sure to blur the faces of some of the protesters to make sure they wouldn't be subjected unfairly to retaliation by the Justice Department. Johnson said he didn't want the Justice Department to see their faces and then have these people get charged with a crime. What the hell is wrong with this guy? Uh, Well, a spokesman for Johnson later walked his comments back. This is this is this is insane and dangerous. First, first of the Justice Department already has access to these security tapes. But more importantly, why would the Speaker of the House want to protect anyone who participated in the desecration of our nation's capital unless you agreed with those people? Why would you accuse the Justice Department of unfairly prosecuting the pigs who stormed The very office you're sitting in, Mike Johnson, they came into your office and desecrated it and tried to hang Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence. And you want to protect these people from 
getting a trial from the from the Justice Department, putting them on trial, and you call yourself a constitutional scholar. Well, this guy is the worst. The absolute, we're learning, I'm going to have more stuff that we found out about this guy. He is the absolute worst. The Daily Beast has a story this morning reviewing some of Mike Johnson's pro bono clients back when he was just a lawyer. Johnson seems to have had an affinity for homophobic clients, and he had a habit of taking on people with a long history of celebrating violence against the LGBTQ community, as well as abortion providers. One of Johnson's earliest pro bono clients, according to the Daily Beast, was the preacher Grant Storms, who needed Johnson's help to acquire a permit to stage a counter demonstration down in New Orleans against a pro-LGBTQ march. And uh, a gay man was later stabbed to death during that march by an anti-gay protester who Grant Storms, the preacher, claimed was in no way affiliated with his Christian conservatives for reform organization. Later that weekend, it was a gay pride celebration in New Orleans, and preacher Storms got arrested himself for assault and battery when he was refused entry into a bar where he was planning to videotape the goings-on inside that club. Preacher Grant Storms was represented months later, however. I don't think uh, Mike Johnson represented him in the assault and battery case. He helped Preacher Grant Storms get the permit to stage a counter-demonstration to a pride celebration. And then uh, later, months later, when Grant Storms, preacher, wanted a permit to stage a protest outside a Louisiana abortion clinic, Mike Johnson helped him get that permit. Storms, preacher Grant Storms, told the Daily Beast that he and the future speaker have remained friends throughout the years. Uh, However, Mike Johnson didn't represent preacher Grant Storms uh, after he was arrested, sitting in his van in front of a playground, pleasuring himself. Preacher Grant Storms confessed to pleasuring himself inside his van outside a playground and was later found guilty of his of his of indecent exposure and sentenced to three years probation. He, he confessed to pleasuring himself in his van outside a playground where children play, but he uh, said the indecent exposure accusation was incorrect because it was in his pants. Sounds like he was doing some pro bono work all by himself. What a great guy. What a great guy Mike Johnson is, isn't he? Well, the House of Representatives starts its holiday vacation on December 14th. The Senate begins its on December 15th. And there's plenty of unfinished business 
that needs to be taken care of before that. And it's not going to be taken care of. So we hear noise. Mike Johnson is making noise now about the migrants, about the non-existent immigration problem, because he's not going to be able to get anything done. So they're going to confuse you and throw dirt in your eyes. And then on December 14th, go on a holiday. So what should be done? What is the most important stuff that needs to be accomplished in the next, uh, today's the fifth, so the next 10 days? What, what should, and don't forget they take the weekend off. What needs to be done? What is really important here that we should be focusing on? Well, first up, they were supposed to have the 2024 budget up and done by October 1st. That didn't happen. So the entire federal government right now is being funded by its second continuing resolution. This one expires in parts, first in early January and then entirely in February. And to give you an idea of how bad a job Mike Johnson is doing, how far off we are from a final budget, the House and the Senate have not agreed on how much they're going to spend. So, you know, you have a budgeting process. you got to figure out what is our top line spending here. Haven't figured it out. Mike Johnson can't figure it out. Now, there was an agreement back in June when Joe Biden and then Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, ironed out the Fiscal Responsibility Act. I know. I know you don't remember this. It was in June. How can anybody remember that, especially when the Republicans don't remember it? There was an actual agreement to lift the debt ceiling. It was called the Fiscal Responsibility Act, and both sides, and they signed it to keep the government open, to raise the, the debt ceiling so we wouldn't default on our debt. The agreement was that the top line number for non-discretionary spending for 2024 would be roughly, write this down, $1.6 trillion. $1.6 trillion would be the top line. You can't touch the defense, but the rest is $1.6 trillion. That's the cap. That was the agreement. Now you go, okay, we've got $1.6 trillion to spend. How do we allocate it? But the uh, democratically controlled Senate has been marking up appropriations bills based on a higher number, while the Republican-controlled House has been marking up appropriations bills based on a lower number. And the hard-right Freedom Caucus, they claim to be fiscal hawks. They want a 30% across-the-board budget cut. Uh, they've been demanding a top-line number of a little more than $1.5 trillion dollars which is about $350 billion less than what was agreed upon in the Fiscal Responsibility Act. That's why Democrats in the Senate are going above the top line because they're expecting House Republicans to go way below the top line that was agreed upon in the Fiscal Responsibility Act of June. You see, Republicans don't keep their promises.
And so the Democrats in the Senate are marking up bills with a higher top line. And the Freedom Caucus has been demanding since Biden and McCarthy signed the Fiscal Responsibility Act, they've been demanding that the top line number be $1.4 trillion, as opposed to the about $1.6, $1.7 trillion that McCarthy and Biden agreed on. And they're demanding about, the Freedom Caucus is demanding $350 billion less than what was agreed upon in June, okay? I hope you're following this. Uh, God knows I'm not. So the Freedom Caucus threw a lifeline to Speaker Mike Johnson, and they, they've done something that's so noble of them. They've agreed to honor the terms of the Fiscal Responsibility Act and will keep top-line spending at about $1.6 trillion. They've agreed to that. Isn't that nice of them to, to honor an actual bill that was signed into law back in June? Isn't that nice of the House Freedom Caucus? Even though the House Freedom Caucus has given the go-ahead to obey the top-line spending of about $1.6 trillion, Democrats and Republicans still cannot agree on what the precise number is. And if you don't figure out what the top line number is, you can't do appropriations. You can't figure out where all the money goes. Figure out your own budget. You have $100 to spend this month. That's your top line number. Until you know what you have to spend, you can't make a budget. Luckily for me, I don't do budgets. I don't pay attention to my financial hygiene. Uh, okay, so that's one of the reasons nothing is getting done in uh, Washington before December 14th. And that's why you're being inundated with noise about migrants to distract you from House Republicans not doing their job. Okay, then there's the issue. This is what's really important. It's not interesting. It's kind of boring. But this is what's really important. There's no sizzle here, but this is the these are the nuts and bolts of democracy. And this is how you stop fascism by paying attention to our budget. There's nothing more there's really nothing more important than than our budget. It's, it's a reflection of our values. How you spend money reveals who you are as a person and who you are as a people, as a nation. Okay, so then we have the issue of these supplementals. What are supplementals? Those are the funding bills that are separate from the 2024 budget. They're supplementals. In addition to the, the 2024 budget, we have these supplemental appropriations bills. Okay, that that right now, there's only one real supplemental, and that would be the $106 billion emergency funding for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the border. Okay, uh, right now, the supplementals or the supplemental, I'll get to that in a second, it adds up to roughly $106 billion. Uh, Biden, he's our president, 
Chuck Schumer. He's our Senate majority leader. He's a Democrat. And Mitch McConnell, he's the Republican minority leader in the Senate who has become somewhat reasonable as an institutionalist uh, compared to these House Republicans, these banshees in the Freedom Caucus. Biden, Schumer, and McConnell, they all want the supplemental, all want the supplementals folded into one gigantic $106 billion spending bill. That money, as I just said, would go to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and border security. But Republicans in the House want this omnibus bill. That's what they would call this, an omnibus bill, when you fold all these supplementals into one big $106 billion supplemental. The Republicans in the House want the omnibus bill stripped out where members of Congress get to vote individually on the supplemental for Israel, the supplemental for Taiwan, the supplemental for Ukraine, and the supplemental for border security. However, they taught the House Republicans say, we want single subject spending bills. We don't want them folded in, and we don't want to be forced to vote for a supplemental uh, and but they want the Ukraine. This is what House Republicans want. This is what Speaker Mike Johnson, the hypocrite, the champion of single subject bills. Uh, he says he wants the Ukraine funding bill tied into a funding bill for the border. Why? Why does he want that? Because Democrats want to fund Ukraine more than they want to fund the border. In fact, Democrats really don't want to fund the border. And Republicans want to fund the border more than they want to fund Ukraine. So Mike Johnson, who's against bundling bills together, you know, single subjects, he wants to bundle these two bills, Ukraine and the border, because it would force members from each side of the aisle to vote for this bill, even though they hate half of it. Okay? Right now, Democrats will not vote for H.R. 2. It's the border bill that the House passed, but will never pass in the House. Democrats will never pass the border bill in the Senate, and Biden would never sign it. So Mike Johnson is attaching Ukraine to the bill because it forces Democrats to vote for it. What's going to happen? Well, I want to be careful here making predictions, but I'll tell you what the problems are and what I think is, is going to happen, okay? I think it is easier to get a Ukraine standalone supplemental passed than it would be a border standalone supplemental passed. I think you can get a standalone single subject Ukraine supplemental passed in the House. I think there eventually there are enough Republicans 
who will vote for it, including Mike Johnson. Uh, I don't see a bill that ties Ukraine and the border together passing. And remember, this is really important. This has to be done before the new year, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I suspect, as opposed to predict, that sometime next year, early next year, funding for Ukraine will pass both houses as a single subject bill, separate from the border, separate from Israel, separate from Taiwan. Now, H.R. 2, the big Republican border bill, it will never, ever pass, ever. And Mike Johnson knows that, and Mike Johnson and the Republicans don't want it to pass. As I mentioned yesterday, Ukraine funding, this is why Ukraine funding, I think, will pass separately. It is really funding for the military-industrial complex. It's more for our arms manufacturers than it is for Zelensky. Republicans in the House hate Zelensky. Most of them do. They're rooting for Putin. But they're rooting for the military-industrial complex more than Vladimir Putin. They love military, spending on military hardware more than they love uh, Putin. So Johnson and the Republicans are going to bitch and moan about H.R. 2, their big border security bill. But in the end, they will pass Ukraine, I think, because funding the military is part of the congressional catechism, both sides of the aisle. This is where we have one party rule. Funding the military, non-negotiable. The border is way too complicated. And as much as Republicans insist they care about the border, it's a lot like abortion. They don't want to try to solve the border problem. It's better for the Republicans when abortion or the border are just issues. That way they can raise money off of it. They can run on it. But when you actually address the issue and try to fix it or solve it, it will backfire for the Republicans. Look at abortion. For decades, Republicans promised to overturn Roe v. Wade. That is the identity of the Republican Party, overturning Roe v. Wade and hating on migrants. Nobody ever thought the Republicans would overturn Roe v. Wade. They were making a lot of money promising the Christian right that they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. But that schmuck, Donald Trump, appointed three Supreme Court justices who really were going to overturn Roe v. Wade, and he blew it for the Republican Party, the dog who catches the car. And now Republicans are screwed. They don't know what to do with the car. They caught it. Women, Republican women, are furious at Republicans because of Roe v. Wade. And on the other side, Christians, the Christian right, isn't satisfied 
because overturning Roe v. Wade isn't enough. Now they want a national abortion ban. So they didn't solve the abortion problem. They actually made it worse for Republicans. They made it a lot worse for Republicans and, of course, women. But I'm just talking politics right now. Overturning Roe turned out to be too much and too little. And it is a political nightmare right now for this party, this Republican Party. And the same goes for the border. And Mike Johnson knows that. They don't want to solve the border. The Republican Party has defined itself on abortion and this phony border crisis. Whatever bill they can get passed, H.R. 2, which passed in the Republican-controlled House, their border bill, it's too much and too little. As long as the Republicans can use the border crisis, can hold up H.R. 2 and blame Biden and the Republicans for not passing it, that gives them permission to continue to rail against migrants and Democrats. It's a political win-win for Republicans as long as H.R. 2 never gets passed. But the minute they, if they were to pass it and it never will pass, uh, they will try to, in, in an alternative universe, they pass H.R. 2 and supposedly try to solve this fictitious crisis. The migrants are a gift to America. I talked about that at the top of the show. But if H.R. 2 ever got passed, it would turn off Hispanic voters. It would turn off big business, which relies on undocumented migrants. And of course, it's going to turn off the far right who insist it's not enough because it's never enough for the far right. Like abortion, the border is the issue that defines Republicans and Republicans have to keep this issue alive. And the only way you keep it alive is by not tackling it by by building up H.R. 2 as this godsend as long as it never gets passed. That's why it's been nearly 20 years since Congress passed any legislation concerning the border. Republicans do not want to solve the border. So Mike Johnson is right now trying to shore up his right flank. They're, they're furious with him right now over the continuing resolution. He got that second continuing resolution passed, which is the same identical continuing resolution that Kevin McCarthy got passed on September 30th. And that's what got Mike, uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy thrown out. Because of that continuing resolution, Mike Johnson passed the same exact continuing resolution with a ladder two step, but it's the same thing. He's got an angry right flank. So uh, they want a shutdown. And 
He's trying to placate them right now. And he infuriated the right by putting on his big boy pants and saying he wants to support Ukraine. He said, we do not want Vladimir Putin marching through Europe. He wasn't supposed to put on his big boy pants and parrot Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden. So uh, Johnson spent this weekend listening to Republicans in his caucus. And the far right has let him know that they are ready to Kevin McCarthy him. They're ready to vacate the chair. And so his solution is tying Ukraine funding to border funding, even though he knows border funding will never pass, even though he knows he doesn't want it to pass. So for the time being, Johnson is telling Democrats, he wrote a letter to Biden yesterday, no funding for Ukraine unless they pass H.R. 2, the big border bill that Republicans have already passed in the House. Not a single Democrat voted for H.R. 2 in the House. H.R. 2 is dead on arrival. Chuck Schumer, the Democratic Senate Majority Leader, said there's no way it would ever get through the Senate. Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic minority leader in the House, said there's no way he would ever pass a Ukraine supplemental if H.R. 2 is attached to it. And as I said, Johnson, showboating for his the right flank, sent a letter to President Biden on Tuesday telling him that unless Joe Biden gets behind H.R. 2, there's no way Republicans in the House will support funding for Ukraine. Whether you care about the border, uh, I don't. I want more migrants to come into this country for moral reasons and economic reasons. Uh, funding for Ukraine is complicated. Wherever you fall on this, maybe apathy. I think most Americans don't care. This is what's important. This is not the noise. This is the signal, as they say. This is the issue of the week that has to be addressed. And because it's not being addressed, we will hear distractions. We'll, we'll see, especially Republicans doing busy work, going after who? The LGBTQ community to make it, you know, they'll go to the culture wars to make it look like they're actually doing the people's business. What else is on, uh, what else is important? What's not noise? What's truly important? Before the December 14th holiday, there is the issue of a supplemental for Israel. So as you can clearly see, Biden, Schumer, and McConnell uh, it doesn't look right now like they're going to get that $106 billion omnibus spending bill because this is turning out to be a mess. But if it's a real mess, they may get a $106 billion 
omnibus spending bill. This, this is why omnibus spending bills were invented, because of messes like this. It looks like Republicans in the House are going to succeed for the time being in stripping down this supplemental down to its component parts and forcing single subject bills to be voted on. Looks that way. Uh, but Israel is no longer a slam dunk in both houses. It, it was assumed that Israel was going to get its $14 billion. Biden and the Democrats and some Republicans want Israel to get $14 billion. Speaker Johnson says, I support Israel unconditionally, but he says he won't sign on to a $14 billion aid bill for Israel unless it comes out of the 2024 budget. He wants to pay for Israel by stripping $14 billion out of the 2024 budget for the Internal Revenue Service. Fiscal responsibility, right? How, how do we pay for things? By defunding the one agency that makes sure we can pay for it. Now, a lot of Republicans in the House, Max Miller, for example, is furious that Mike Johnson has made any uh, writers, any caveats on funding Israel. Biden wants $14 billion. Schumer, McConnell, and most House Republicans want $14 billion for Israel. $4 billion for humanitarian aid that would go to Gaza, and $10 billion for weapons that would also go to Gaza. Sorry, but it's true. It's getting more complicated. Senator Bernie Sanders has been holding back. He's been listening to the left. For a while, he wasn't taking a firm stand until today when he announced, he made a big announcement, that he would sign on to an Israel supplemental that provides $4 billion in humanitarian aid, but no to the $10 billion for weapons. This is big. Bernie took his time. Uh, but this is big, and this is a problem for Joe Biden, Schumer, and the hardline Democrats when it comes to Israel. This is what uh, Bernie said today. He's making this about Benjamin Netanyahu, the far-right prime minister of Israel. He's not making it about Israel or Zionism, anti-Semitism, or the two-state solution. It's purely about Benjamin Netanyahu. He said today, I do not believe we should be appropriating over $10 billion for the right-wing extremist Netanyahu government to continue its current military approach. Well, don't know where you stand on all this. Uh, but this is an example of making your voice heard. Don't know where you stand on the protests at Harvard and, and the colleges and, and the censorship uh, on both sides. Wherever you stand, 
when people say nobody listens to us, pay attention to the protests that are going on in America vis-a-vis support for Israel. When you make your voice heard loud enough, it moves mountains. The left has taken to the streets, whether you agree with the left or not, and said they want a ceasefire in Israel. And it's it's gotten to Biden and it and the Democrats are now scrambling. Funding for Israel is no longer the slam dunk it used to be. Why? The protests, the protests. Uh, So what's going on with the funding bill for Israel? Democrats, Joe Biden needs this issue to go away a month ago. There's an election coming up and they want Israel off the table. The longer fighting continues in Gaza, the more Biden and the Democrats risk losing voters, especially those under 30. Meanwhile, this is also amazing. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken announced that this country would now ban right-wing Israeli extremists from entering the United States. This is huge. So there, right now, the Secretary of State said this country is now banning right-wing Israeli extremists from entering the United States. So I guess Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu won't be visiting the White House anytime soon. The Biden White House is now urging Benjamin Netanyahu to put an end to attacks by Jewish settlers in the West Bank, attacks on Palestinian civilians. According to the United Nations, since the October 7th massacre, there have been 314 violent attacks on Palestinians in the West Bank perpetrated by Jewish right-wing settlers. At least eight Palestinians have died in these attacks, attacks which often include supervision by members of the Israeli Defense Force. The United States, our State Department, is revoking visas for these right-wing extremists, some of whom serve in Benjamin Netanyahu's cabinet. Pretty big. Pretty big. Then there is the reauthorization of Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which expires on January 1st. This, these are the issues that when you turn on the news, they don't want to talk about because it's real. This is stuff that really affects uh, the trajectory of American history. And uh, last night I was watching television news. So much noise, so much journalistic malfeasance, neglecting what 
Yeah, they love to say, well, what does this mean to you? And but they never really tell you they never really talk about the stuff that really affects you, uh, like reauthorization of Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It expires on January 1st. This is the NSA being allowed to spy on ordinary Americans in the name of fighting terrorism, and then the FBI coming in and looking at the NSA's work and doing warrantless searches of ordinary Americans. Let let me uh, try to explain this to you. It's incredibly boring. It is, and complicated, but... It, it it's about your civil liberties, your government spying on you. It's actually an issue that Jim Jordan is kind of good on for the wrong reasons to protect, you know, Carter Page and and, you know, the Trump officials who were genuinely working with the Russians and needed to be spied on by the NSA. So. Uh, Section 702 allows uh, our intelligence agencies to spy on foreign nationals without a warrant. What is a foreign national? Vivek Ramaswamy's father would be a foreign national. That would be somebody who travels back and forth between America and their home country and never bothered to get... Uh, American citizenship, even though his son, his cravenly ambitious psychopathic son, wants to crack down on people like his father, paging Dr. Freud. I, I, no sidetracking here on Vivek Ramaswamy. That's noise. He's noise. He's a distraction. So Section 702 allows the NSA to spy on foreign nationals. Those are people who are overseas, who visit the United States. Mohammed Atta, for example, who flew one of the planes into the World Trade Center, was a foreign national. He was traveling where, from Saudi Arabia, Egypt, wherever, Pakistan, and then to the United States. The feeling is if the NSA without a warrant, was able to read his emails, listen in on his phone conversations overseas, they could have prevented 9-11. The problem is, this is a global economy, and foreign nationals don't come to America without talking to Americans. And Section 702 allows warrantless spying. You don't need a a warrant to spy on foreign nationals, and you don't need a warrant to spy on Americans who are talking to foreign nationals. So you might have a a friend from an American-friendly country, like Great Britain, who's visiting The NSA can spy without a warrant with your British friend and they can spy on you as well. They can listen in on your conversations 
without a warrant. Uh, and then the FBI is allowed under the current Section 702 to go in through the back door and look through the emails and the phone conversations and what, what whatever else they've uh, scooped up to look for crimes. Supposedly, they're not allowed to, but there have been something like 100,000 examples last year of the FBI using the information that the NSA scooped up on foreign nationals to spy on American citizens to try to get, not necessarily use it as evidence to convict an American citizen, but to uh, help them uh, know how to convict an American citizen, get, give them an idea of what kind of crimes I'm committing. Did I say I'm committing? I meant to say your average American citizen is committing. Who said anything about illegally smuggling insulin into this country from Canada? I am not doing that. Why are you looking at me? All right. So this is really important because uh, you might end up in prison and you may not know why and how they got this phony information. And it, it could be that you, you're in prison because the FBI didn't have a warrant and illegally used uh, information, you know, emails, phone calls that the NSA scooped up on you just because you were talking to your friend from Great Britain. This is why Jim Jordan wants to reform 702. The Libertarians, Rand Paul, wants to reform 702. The ACLU wants to reform 702. This is a bipartisan issue, and it's uh, kind of important. The Senate Judiciary Committee held hearings today on Section 702. But what are they reporting about this in the news? Josh Hawley accused Christopher Wray of spying on Catholics. Some other douchebag was droning on and on about Hunter Biden's laptop. That's all noise. This is what really counts. And the Senate Judiciary Committee had Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI, testify and he is urging both houses to renew Section 702 as is without any reform. That's not going to happen. Ray, Christopher Ray, told the Judiciary Committee stripping the FBI of its 702 authorities would be a form of unilateral disarmament. Well, there's something that's going to happen. Right now, there are two competing bills, at least two competing bills in the House and the Senate on how to reform Section 702. Jim Jordan may be a good guy on this. I know it's impossible <clears throat> to believe, but Jim Jordan may actually be good on this. He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, and right now he's marking up a bill that would require the FBI to get a warrant 
Imagine that before it's allowed to review any information on a U.S. citizen that was scooped up by intelligence agencies performing warrantless searches on foreign nationals. The FBI says this will slow us down. Jordan's bill has gained some traction in the Senate with Republicans like the horrible Mike Lee of Utah. Okay, then there is the National Defense Authorization Act. This has not been passed yet in a conference committee. Okay, both the Senate and the House have passed their versions of the National Defense Authorization Act, but it's got to go into a conference committee between the House and the Senate. Then they have to come up with a final National Defense Authorization Act, which then has to go back to the House and the Senate to be voted upon. As I've said, fascism has its charms. It's much simpler to get things done uh, when you're living under fascist rule. So the National Defense Authorization Act comes to $886 billion. This is the defense spending bill. Uh, This would be, I guess, non-discretionary. It exceeds what President Biden initially requested at the beginning of the year. Uh, Biden asked for $285 billion less in defense spending this year. And Congress uh, has agreed to spend the top line. They agreed on the top line of $886 billion. That's $285 billion more than what Joe Biden asked for. It is more than the Pentagon asked for. I think, I don't know the exact number. I think I'm lowballing it. I I know that there's a $24 billion appropriation in there that the Pentagon said, no, we don't need this. But Congress, you're, you're taking it. That's how screwed up the defense, the National Defense Authorization Act is. $886 billion, more than all the other countries in the world combined, And yet, on top of that, they need a $106 billion emergency supplemental for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, and border security. A lot of that isn't necessarily defense spending. A lot of that is humanitarian aid. But come on, most of that is uh, defense spending, the $106 billion emergency supplemental is defense spending. Uh, We spend what close already we spend close to a trillion dollars a year. But when we really need the money, oh, then we need an emergency supplemental. Really, because we've been spent. We we just we're giving you eight hundred eighty six billion dollars. That's not enough. No, no, no. That's uh, for defense. That's for making war. Well, okay. well, what about Israel and Ukraine? Well, that's a different type of war. That's a proxy war. We're we're not equipped to fight proxy wars, even though that's probably going to be the only type of war we fight in the foreseeable future. Proxy wars. 
So, okay. So this is important. It's boring. <laughs> it's dreadfully boring, but it's life or death. The National Defense Authorization Act. The House and the Senate have passed separate versions of this bill. The top line funding is identical. And what still has to be ironed out are some of the culture war issues. There's a culture, you know, it's defense spending and there's a culture war that has to be funded. House Republicans are using the Defense Authorization Act to fight culture wars. For example, uh, gender affirming care. Uh, I think, you know, it's a million dollars that our Pentagon spends on gender affirming care. But Republicans will tie up the uh, defense bill over that. And uh, of course, Republicans don't want to fund any female soldiers who might be traveling out of state to obtain an abortion. You know, there are 14 states in America where you just can't get one. So the Republicans don't want to pay for a, a woman who's serving in the military to travel out of state to get an abortion. This is what Senator Tommy Tuberville, the racist from Alabama, he's been complaining about and he's been uh, using his privilege to obstruct hundreds of military promotions uh, to promote, uh, to protest uh, the uh, abortion funding. And uh, today he's back down. Uh, the, uh, the National Defense Authorization Act also gives our troops a 5.2% raise. Okay? So that's the important stuff. Then there's the noise. What do we do to distract the American people from the fact that none of this stuff will be done by December 14th? What do you do? The Biden impeachment. That's what you do. You talk about impeaching Joe Biden as a distraction because the Republicans have, as Chip Roy said, nothing to run on. There's nothing they can point to and say to the American people, we did this for you. They can run on, we did this to you, but you're not going to win elections telling the American people what we did to you making you work for food stamps. That's what we did to you, cutting your social safety net. We did that to you. Can't run on that. But they do nothing for you. Republicans do nothing for you, so they must make noise and blame the migrants for your immiseration. And, of course, Hunter Biden. Right? Demonize Poor Hunter Biden. So there's the issue now of getting an official inquiry into the impeachment of Joe Biden. This is what the Republicans are selling right now. Getting an official inquiry into the impeachment of Joe Biden. I just told you what has to be done by December 14th. 
But what they're going to get done, these Republicans, is an official inquiry into the impeachment of Joe Biden. What does an official inquiry mean? Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, three House committees, Judiciary Oversight Plus Ways and Means, they've been conducting informal investigations into whether Hunter Biden received preferential treatment from the Internal Revenue Service and whether Joe Biden benefited from his brother Jimmy's and son Hunter's business dealings. Those are the two prongs of this fictitious impeachment investigation. These are the two issues that the Republicans are going to try to sell to the American people in 2024, as though there's nothing else that needs to be done. One, did Hunter Biden get special treatment from the Internal Revenue Service? Two, did Joe Biden get rich off Hunter and Jimmy Biden's so-called shady business dealings? They've been unable to prove shady business dealings, okay? So those are the two issues. And currently we have three committees who are engaging in this unauthorized impeachment probe. It's only been approved by then Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Only he approved the probe. Uh, that means it's not an official impeachment inquiry. An official impeachment inquiry means it's been authorized by a full vote in the House. And McCarthy didn't think he had the votes, and he didn't have the votes for a full authorization because there are 18 Republicans currently serving in districts that Joe Biden won in 2020. So they're not going to vote for an impeachment probe. They're in purple districts that went for Joe Biden, and this will bite them in the ass in November if they try to remove from office or try to impeach uh, the guy they voted for. Now, so there's no full authorization. The three House committees have been conducting the probe, but they can't get any cooperation from the FBI or the Justice Department thanks to a policy initiated by Bill Barr back in 2019 to protect Donald Trump. This is the official policy of the Justice Department and the FBI thanks to Bill Barr. It hasn't been rescinded. Republicans say they're getting no cooperation from the Biden administration because the official policy is unless you get full authorization for an impeachment probe from the House for a full vote, the Justice Department, FBI will not cooperate with the investigation. And you can't uh, like the IRS, for example, uh, you, you want to see their tax returns. The House Ways and Means Committee is authorized to get their hands on uh, Jimmy and Hunter's and Joe Biden's tax returns. But it, they can't, because of Bill Barr, unless there's a full vote of the House, the IRS doesn't have to cooperate 
with the investigation. Actually, they do, but you can tie it up in court. The, the House Ways and Means Committee can just ask for anybody's tax returns, and the IRS is uh, legally authorized to turn it over. But it gets tied up in court. Delay, delay, delay. So Speaker Mike Johnson, because there's nothing else that has to be done right now, says he has enough votes for a full House authorization of an impeachment probe into uh, Joe Biden. Earlier today, Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, issued a joint report written by his committee, Judiciary, along with House Ways and Means and the Oversight Committee, outlining all the evidence they now have from two IRS whistleblowers who testified that the Justice Department interfered with the IRS's investigation into Hunter Biden's tax problems. This is BS. Uh, Hunter Biden was initially charged with cheating the government out of more than $100,000 on about a million dollars, more than a million dollars of income for tax years 2017 and 2018. That would be during his nervous breakdown when he when his brother died and he turned to alcohol, crack and pornography, or as Matt Gates calls that Tuesday. So two whistleblowers from the IRS unrelated to the case who have nothing to do with the Hunter Biden uh, audit, they step forward and insist that Hunter Biden received preferential treatment from the IRS. And today's report from Judiciary Ways and Means and Oversight offers absolutely no evidence. But that doesn't matter. This isn't about evidence. This is about getting Donald Trump elected in 2024. So there's a lot that has to be done between now and December 14th, when the House goes on its winter holiday. Impeaching Joe Biden is not one of them. Now, I'm not going to pass judgment on what I'm not going to give you an idea of what I think is the most important issue, but I'm going to tell you what I think the responsible adults in Washington think is the most pressing issue. I'm not making a value judgment here. This is, from what I understand, this is what Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, uh, Chuck Schumer, and Hakeem Jeffries think is the most important issue facing America. You might disagree. I might disagree. But this is what they're thinking. Ukraine. Ukraine. Between now and December 14th, if you were to ask uh, the, the adults in the room, 
what needs to get done immediately, Ukraine. Uh, the budget, the 2024 budget, as far as the Democrats and probably Mitch McConnell are concerned, uh, the government is funded at last year's levels until 2024 is passed. Uh, and if there's a, a shutdown, that's bad for Republicans. Mitch McConnell doesn't want a shutdown. The Democrats, you know, politically speaking, they wouldn't mind a shutdown. Uh, but we, we, I think in 2000, it was either 2011 or 2013. Let me know in the comments section. When President Biden was president, I think we went, president, when President Obama, I'm getting to be senile like Donald Trump. I'm confusing Biden with Obama. When Obama was president, I think we went with a one-year continuing resolution. Republicans wouldn't pass a budget. I think it was either, I want to say 2013. I think that's when it was. I think. Uh, and I think Democrats would be perfectly happy with what a year-long continuing resolution uh, because the government stays funded uh, at last year's levels, although they're supposed to be a 1% across the board cut according to the Fiscal Responsibility Act that was passed in June. Biden and McCarthy agreed that if they can't get the 2024 budget passed, by January, then there's a 1% across the board cut, but no one's sure when that kicks in. So, uh, so there's no sense of urgency between now and the holiday break for the 2024 budget to be passed. Uh, funding for Israel is problematic for the Dems. As I said, Biden wants that war wrapped up last month. Uh, it's not there. It's no longer a top concern for Democrats. It's problematic. Netanyahu says he won't stop till Hamas is eliminated. Hamas has 40,000 soldiers. It's estimated that he's wiped out maybe 8,000. Uh, Summer, I think Macron from France said at this rate, it's going to take 10 years for Netanyahu to defeat Hamas. Uh, there's talk that Israel is about to flood Hamas's vast network of tunnels, uh, flood it with flood those tunnels with seawater. And that would literally be tantamount. Well, not literally, but it would be tantamount to salting Carthage. Seawater in the tunnels would flow into the water table, uh, making uh, the wells in Gaza undrinkable. So I'm not quite sure what anybody is thinking when it comes to Israel. Or I just know the Democrats want it to go away. They just want this issue to go away. Uh, what they want is funding for Ukraine. That is a clean supplemental. It's a clean war. Uh, 
It's what McConnell wants. It's what Schumer wants. I think because Mike Johnson no longer wants to be a backwater hick from Louisiana, I think it's what he wants. I think they want Ukraine before December 14th. They want money sent to Ukraine. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is pressing really hard on Ukraine. There is uh, a sense of emergency for Ukraine. There's a general sense that Ukraine's counteroffensive started well, but it's not going as planned. There are reports that the Ukrainian military, their leaders are feuding with American military leaders about strategy. Many observers are suggesting that this is turning into a World War I style version of trench warfare with inches gained and inches lost, a war of attrition. That's what the Joint Chiefs of Staff had, Mark Milley, said last year, that unless they're, this is what the, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, said, and short of diplomacy, this is turning into a war of attrition. And the fear is that House Republicans, many of whom are rooting for Putin, many of whom from deep red safe districts, the fear is they feel no sense of urgency for Ukraine. And this is terrifying McConnell, Schumer, um, Hakeem Jeffries, and especially Joe Biden. This is what Chuck Schumer said yesterday. History will render harsh judgment on those who abandon democracy. I urge all senators to work with us to move forward on a national security supplemental for Ukraine. I talked about this yesterday. Shalanda Young, Joe Biden's budget director, sent notes to both houses of Congress yesterday, warning them time is running out for Ukraine and said there will be no more money for Ukraine by the end of 2023. Earlier today, Ukrainian President Zelensky held a classified Zoom briefing with all the members of the Senate. I don't know how many of them attended. And during the briefing, he told them without funding from the United States, he will be defeated. If you remember, his last visit to the United States was over the summer where he was welcomed by both sides of the aisle in the Senate, but snubbed by House Republicans. Walking the halls of Congress, lobbying for support in person today were Andrew Yermick, that would be Zelensky's chief of staff, along with Ukraine's Minister of Defense and the Speaker of the Ukrainian Parliament, who met one-on-one -on -one with lawmakers today, urging them to fund the war. They flew to Washington, D.C. That's how important this funding is for Zelensky, his cabinet, 
uh, and the parliament. They're in, Zelensky isn't here, but uh, they are trying to get Ukrainian funding. So far, the United States has given Ukraine $110 billion since Putin first invaded. We've given Ukraine $110 billion to Ukraine since the war. Shalanda Young, Biden's budget chief, reminded everyone yesterday that 60% of that money stayed in the United States because it went towards weapons manufacturers as well as our Pentagon and intelligence agencies. So the Biden administration wants an additional $60 billion for Ukraine as part of that $106 billion emergency supplemental for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and the border. Uh, More than half of that is for Ukraine, $60 billion. Republicans have asked some legitimate questions about the $60 billion. Like, why is there no inspector general looking into waste and fraud in Ukraine? Why don't we have an inspector general on the ground? Uh, Because without an inspector general, we had one in Iraq, we had one in Afghanistan. Without an inspector general, how do we know where these weapons actually end up? Where is the oversight? It is a legitimate question. At what point does Zelensky have to sit down with Putin and figure out a way to stop the killing? Wars, as they say, are much easier to start than they are to finish. Remember when Ukraine was invaded by Putin and we were told it would be, it was in either January or February, and we were told Ukraine would throw them out by the spring. Uh, that's what they said in World War I. It'll be over. World War I was going to be over in a month. Uh, Iraq, we were told, was going to be over by May of uh, 2003, like two months, mission accomplished. They're easier to start than they are to finish. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, the war in Gaza isn't over until Hamas is defeated. Zelensky says Ukraine isn't over until Russia is kicked out. What is the alternative to all this? Making peace with your enemies. I don't know. This is about land. Ukraine says Russia is on their soil. Palestinians say the Israelis are on their soil. The profiteers say diplomacy is a fool's errand because war is a permanent state of nature. I say war is a permanent state of nature because of the profiteers. I don't know what the answers are. I thought I did. 
but right now I, I don't. What I'm certain of, however, is that Republicans are trying to kill. Mike Johnson right now is trying to kill funding for Ukraine by insisting that funding be bundled in with a border security supplemental. That I'm certain of. When that's, that's You're pretending to want to solve the border and Ukraine by bundling those supplementals together. Because the Republicans do not want to pass H.R. 2, the border security bill. It would ban aliens from entering this country temporarily. It would never hold up with a court challenge. You just can't ban aliens from entering this country. It calls for the completion of Donald Trump's wall, which is a pipe dream. Walls don't work. Uh, and Trump's wall is too expensive. It's stupid, and it will never be finished. This HR2 adds more for border patrol agents. It gives them more funding. Uh, it's never going to get past HR2. It's too much for the Dems and too little for the Republicans. It's, it's a dead end for the, uh, for the Republicans. Ukraine has the best chance of passing. That I'm convinced of. I think you can get, if you can sever Ukraine from border security, I think eventually you can get enough Republicans in the House to vote for it. Democratic Senator Chris Murphy from Connecticut said yesterday, If Republicans take down the Ukraine bill because of their disagreement over a totally unrelated policy fight, that would be the border, then they own the global cataclysm that will be created because of their political gamesmanship. Here in America, we don't sense, I think, I think we don't sense the urgency that Europe does when it comes to Putin. Uh, NATO is on board uh, protecting Ukraine. Here in America, you know, we're an island. We're protected by two oceans. We don't feel uh, the danger of Ukraine uh, being uh, taken over by Putin and then Putin doing who knows what. But Europe does... Europe is stepping up for Ukraine. Finally, we're down to four. The big debate is tomorrow night. And by big debate, I mean the thing not worth watching. We are down to four candidates challenging Donald Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy, not going to make it, not going to get anywhere. Chris Christie, not going to make it, not going to go anywhere. It's too bad. I, you know, it would have been nice if Trump debated, but he didn't. So Chris Christie is superfluous. Ron DeSantis, uh, probably, I'm not making a prediction here, but I'm predicting he wins Iowa. 
just because it will make me look smart. The polls say he isn't going to win Iowa, but Iowa surprises. And he does have the endorsement of both the governor and the top evangelical leader. Iowa always surprises. So I'm going to, to look smart, I'll say I think he's going to win Iowa. But if he doesn't, he's got to drop out. There's chaos in his campaign. All the Wall Street money is going to Nikki Haley. This is looking to be a showdown between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. This is completely different from 2016. Deep into the primaries, we had, what, eight candidates diluting the anti-Trump vote in 2016. This is going to be one-on-one between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. And as I've been saying, be careful what you wish for, because right now Nikki Haley might be harder for Biden to beat than Donald Trump. And I know in 2016, we all said, oh, I hope Trump gets the nomination. It'll it'll be so easy for Hillary to beat. Uh, I know nothing. I know nothing. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Thank you for for listening to me. This is an audio podcast, so if you uh, heard part of this, uh, go take a walk. Download this as an audio podcast and listen to it on a walk. If you're ambulatory, if you have a car, uh, sell it. It's not worth it. Take mass transit and listen to me on mass transit. Uh, What else? What am I supposed to remind you to do? Different time. We went late tonight. I got stuff going on in my life uh, that is screwing up my sleep pattern and the schedule for this show. I'm going to turn out one show every day, five days a week. I can't settle in on a time yet until uh, I I get a good night's sleep. Uh, And there's other stuff going on. Please subscribe to my newsletter. Please subscribe to this channel. Thank you to everybody in the chat room. Thank you to Bob for... uh, And Autumn Leaves, I understand, is also doing some moderating. So thank you for keeping the conversation civil. Leave a comment if I made any mistakes. Uh, Please correct me. Let me know what I should be reading. Subscribe to my newsletter. Subscribe to my channel. I will see you all tomorrow, I hope, probably around this time. That's what I'm looking at. Did I cover everything? I think so. Okay. Thank you.